We've been looking at um, these verses in Luke chapter 4. We looked at the Lord's temptations. And uh, then last time we saw the Lord being rejected in Nazareth. And I want to come to the last part of the chapter this evening. And the verse to focus on really is verse 43, uh, which is a, a helpful verse because it sort of summarizes uh, what is going through the Lord's mind as he's going about his ministry in those early days, those early years of his ministry. And uh, he's, you could say he's defeated the devil in his temptations. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, he's going about his teaching and his miracles. But, but verse 43 is a helpful verse because it sort of takes us into the mind of the Lord. What was the Lord thinking about? What was he doing? And in verse 43, the Lord says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And I thought we'd focus on that uh, phrase, the kingdom of God. Um, that, that first hymn was such a help, really, and the, the verse that Mark uh, re repeated there, the extra verse that we don't usually sing. Uh, you know, the, the, the strivings, the empires of man, but it all comes to nothing. But, but here's a kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, which endures. And uh, that, that's the, the theme, really, uh, in, these, uh, in this last part of the chapter from verse 31 to 44. But uh, as I say, taking verse 43, this theme of the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful theme. Uh, it's, uh, it's a big theme. And we haven't got the time this evening just to, uh, we can only scratch the surface, I suppose. But um, in the word of God, you remember that the kingdom of God is there in the Old and the New Testament. Um, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, you remember that Daniel had a, a vision where he sees the Son of Man, uh, this person, and this person comes into the presence of God. God the Father gives him a kingdom. Daniel 2, verse 44, in the days of these kings, kings of the world, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. You remember that it was um, overwhelming for Daniel. We are told that he had, a, he had a headache. His head began to ache with all the visions. Uh, those overwhelming dreams and visions. But, but uh, the, the verse promising that one day there will be a kingdom set up. And this kingdom will last uh, forever. Um, other verses, of course, in the Old Testament. But uh, just taking one other one in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Uh, encouraging believers to press on in faith. And uh, the, the writer says, We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, let us serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Uh, you know, my, my mind went to those buildings in the Ukraine, those distressing pictures recently, the last month or so, of the missiles hitting the building and, and the whole areas, you know, being wiped out and everything crumbling. And uh, it's a picture of the world that we live in, isn't it? That one day the whole world will crumble. Uh, but God's kingdom stands uh, forever. What a great privilege to belong to that kingdom. Uh, well, here in Luke 4, the Lord Jesus says, that uh, he is preaching the kingdom of God. Uh, some have said or suggested that the kingdom of God is not yet. It's, it's far off. It's in the future. But that can't be right, can it? Because the Lord Jesus here says, uh, I am preaching the kingdom of God. When John the Baptist arrives on the scene preparing the way of the Lord, John the Baptist says the kingdom of God is, is near. But when Jesus begins to preach, he calls on people to repent and he says... The kingdom of God has come. 
it is here. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, we could say 2,000 years ago, has, has, has brought the kingdom. He is the king. And uh, the kingdom of God has, has begun. And uh, he's the fulfillment of it. And he preaches the kingdom of God in Luke chapter 4. And it's a wonderful theme that we can just spend a little time uh, together this evening thinking about before prayer. Uh, I just want to relate verse 43 to the passage that we read, uh, the miracles of the Lord Jesus, and say uh, three things. Just divide that passage into three parts. And, uh, and say, first of all, that the, the kingdom of God is a heavenly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom, isn't it? We want to say that first of all. Uh, in, in that verse, which we take as a text, uh, Jesus says, for this purpose, I have been sent. I have been sent. And those words, you know, which are, you could say, simple words, and they're very profound. Maybe some words that we would just read and then pass over and go on to the next verse. Uh, but um, it's worth just pausing there, isn't it? Reminding ourselves who the Lord Jesus is. Uh, because God's kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. Uh, it, it touches earth, but it, its origins are in heaven. And uh, surely that, that's what the Lord refers to there when he says, I've been sent. So who sent him? Well, it wasn't Joseph and Mary. They, they didn't send him. It wasn't the angels. But the Lord Jesus says, God the Father sent him. This is a big theme in the Gospel of John, isn't it? Where the Lord Jesus speaks about his authority. And uh, he says things like, my words, they are not my words, but the Father's who sent me. And uh, Jesus has all the authority of heaven behind him because the Father has sent him into the world. The word sent there in verse 43 is, is, is where we get the word apostle from. We think of the 12 disciples who became apostles and they were sent by the Lord Jesus. And uh, they, they had a special, unique authority because they were Christ's apostles. But in the book of Hebrews, the Lord Jesus is described as an apostle with a capital A. He was sent by God the Father. And he came into the world and he has all the authority and all the backing of God. You, you think of the verse from 1 John, the first letter of John. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And uh, John the Baptist describes himself as earth, earthly. I am earthly, he says. But then with regards to his cousin, his, uh, the Messiah, Savior Jesus, he says, but, but, but he is heavenly. His origin is from heaven. And uh, so we can just remind ourselves of that. Who is the Lord Jesus to you? Um, do you remember the, um, the, uh, the musical opera that was written, was it by um, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Timothy Rice, Jesus Christ Superstar? And uh, one of the songs there, Mary Magdalene sings and she says, he's a man, he's just a man. But he's not just a man, is he? He's God-man, sent from heaven. And uh, in verse 43 here, the Lord refers to the kingdom of God and he, he says, I've been sent, sent by the Father and uh, his origin from, from heaven itself. And uh, so he claims that and he speaks about that. He's the great I am, God the Son coming into the world. Not a created angel, not some uh, higher created being than the angel, but God himself, the one who made all things, uh, has come into the world. 
And so the kingdom of, of God is a, is a heavenly kingdom because the Lord Jesus Christ, God's son, uh, has come from heaven. Um, you remember a, a few chapters later in the Gospel of Luke, in, in chapter 11, verse 20, uh, Jesus says these words to the Pharisees who are criticizing him. And uh, they, they don't want to believe that, that he is God on earth, that he is the authority of God. And so they accuse him of being a worker of the devil. And uh, in Luke 11, verse 20, Jesus says, If I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come. Or in Luke chapter 17, again, uh, Luke picks up this, this theme of, of the kingdom of God coming. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, uh, the Pharisees again say, well, where is the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Uh, and uh, nor will they say, see, see here or see there. It's not some great spectacle, like, like a big fireworks display. But then uh, Jesus says, indeed, the kingdom of God is within you, which uh, better translated probably means the kingdom of God is among you. Kingdom of God is here because Christ has come. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He's come uh, from heaven. And so the kingdom of God is a, a heavenly kingdom. I have been sent, Jesus says. And um, the Lord Jesus taught His disciples. He teaches us as believers to pray uh, in the Lord's Prayer uh, Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come. So as we said last time, we could say the kingdom of God has come because Jesus came 2,000 years ago. We, we, we could also say the kingdom of God is coming and we are to pray for it. We could also say the kingdom of God is going to come when the Lord Jesus appears in glory. So that there's a past and a present and a future dimension to it. But it's a heavenly kingdom which touches earth. And uh, the Lord Jesus spoke about it to Nicodemus, didn't he, in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus was uh, trying to work out who the Lord Jesus was and was watching his miracles. And uh, the Lord Jesus says, Nicodemus, you, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you are born again, born from above, the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus, the kingdom of God comes. And Christ sets up his kingdom in, in your heart, in my heart, in the hearts of his people. So it's a wonderful thing, the, the, the heavenly kingdom of the Lord Jesus. I have been sent, Jesus says. But then secondly, the, the, the kingdom of, of God is, is a powerful kingdom. And, and that brings us to some of these verses that we read in this chapter, uh, just relate, relating it back to, to Luke chapter 4, verse 33 there, down to verse 40. And, and these miracles that Jesus does. And uh, we read about a man in the synagogue, in the place of worship. In verse 33, a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, crying out with a loud voice. And the demon in this man recognizes the person of Christ and acknowledges his authority. Uh, the audacity of the devil, you might say, the evil spirit there, that, that even in the synagogue, the, the, the demons are in there, in the, in the place of worship. But um, look at verse 35. Jesus rebuked him. 
and said, Be quiet, and come out of him. Evil spirits, we read about them. Then later on, uh, Jesus, in verse 41, demons came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And, And he rebuked them, for they knew that he was the Christ, and he did not allow them to speak. And and the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ over evil spirits, unclean spirits. And Jesus tells them to hold their peace. Uh, We we think of the words of the old hymn, Jesus, the name high over all, in hell or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall, and devils fear and fly. You know, the authority and the power of the the, the, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ over uh, evil spirits. It's a powerful kingdom. And, uh, and then you come down to uh, Simon's mother-in-law in verse 38. And, and there in the house, uh, Simon's wife's mother is sick with a high fever. It seems that if she's not cured by the Lord, she's going to die. But notice again the word in verse 39 that Luke uses. Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever. It's the same word as with regard to the evil spirit. Jesus rebuked the evil spirit. And then he rebukes the fever. He tells the evil spirit to be quiet. And then he tells this disease to move away. And so the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, over sickness and over disease Again, we read there in verse 40 that uh, as the sun was setting, all those who had, any, who had any that were sick with various diseases, they brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them all. You know, do you, do you get tired of reading about the miracles of the Lord Jesus? They, they are tremendous, aren't they? Uh, his, his authority over unclean spirits, demons, Satan himself. Uh, his rebuke of, of, of uh, disease and sickness. Uh, in the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 8, we, we, are, we are told that um, around this time, although it's not recorded here in, in Luke 4, uh, but around this time, the Lord Jesus also rebuked the winds and the waves. Remember when the disciples were in the boat? And again, the same word is used. Matthew 8 verse 26, Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves, and there was a great calm. So he rebukes demons, he rebukes illnesses and disease, and he rebukes the winds and the storm, and he has authority over, over nature itself. Uh, we, we sang, was it last week? I think it was last week, wasn't it? The, the words of that other hymn, Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side, and the winds and the waves still know his voice. Uh, who ruled them while he was on earth below. And uh, so the kingdom of God is heavenly, but it's also a powerful kingdom. And the Lord Jesus shows his authority in, in his life and in his ministry. The kingdom of God has come. And, and these miracles of the Lord Jesus, we would want to say that these miracles are confirming miracles. I don't, think, I don't think these miracles are there telling us that we have to copy these miracles or, or we'll have the ability to do the same. Uh, no, rather they, they draw attention to who Jesus is. Yes, God can still cast out demons. God can 
still heal the sick. He's sovereign. He can do anything he wants. But, but these miracles in the scripture, they, they, they confirm who Jesus is. And so we could say they are confirming miracles. They draw attention to himself as the son of God. And they're also comforting miracles to us. They point to a day that is coming when uh, demons and disease and nature will, will finally be under his control completely. There's a day coming, a day of glory when all these things will be gone once and for all. In, in your own church fellowship here, you, you had a funeral yesterday of a, of a dear believer. And uh, we, we have to go through these things in this life, don't we? But we look forward to the day when, when, when death will be gone once and for all. And there will be no more sorrow, no more dying, no more pain. And as you read these miracles of the Lord Jesus, they, they, they point to who Jesus is. But they also point to a future day. When the Lord Jesus will come again in glory and banish all these things. A few years ago, um, uh, uh, in a, uh, our oldest daughter got married and um, uh, the reception place was booked. And uh, before the reception, we were invited then to, uh, to go for a taster evening. And uh, it wasn't free, unfortunately. We still had to pay for it. Um, but it was a taster evening, that's how they described it. So you could go and you could taste uh, the food that you were going to have uh, at the reception to make sure you were happy with it. A taster evening. And it was good. Uh, and could we say that the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ as we read them, you know, they, they are like tasters. Uh, the, the, these things are still in the world. There's still the activity of the devil. There's still disease and death. But the day is coming when Jesus will banish all these things. And glory will come. And uh, we'll enter in, in fully to the, uh, to the wonderful kingdom of God in all its glory. So the kingdom of God is heavenly in its origin. And it's a powerful kingdom. And uh, it encourages us to, re to remind ourselves of that. And then thirdly, the, the kingdom of God is it's an extending kingdom. Uh, you come down there in the passage that we read to verse 42. Uh, when it was day, Jesus departed, went to a deserted place. The crowd sought him and came to him. And they, they tried to keep him from leaving them. And, and it was then that Jesus uttered these words in verse 43. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also for, for this purpose I have been sent. So the Lord has done these miracles and the crowds are coming. The Lord uh, goes to a deserted place to pray for a while. But the crowd come. And uh, on this occasion, it says at the end of that 42nd verse, they tried to keep Jesus from leaving them. And the word keep means they, they, they held on to him. And they wouldn't let him go. So was this a sincere desire? You know, like in the words of the hymn writer of old, who says, oh Jesus, ever with us stay? Was it a sincere desire, or was there something wrong here? Maybe the clue is in the Lord's reply in verse 43. But he said to them, I must 
preach the kingdom of God to the other cities. It seems as if the people wanted to keep Jesus in one place. As if they were saying, Lord, don't go anywhere else. Just stay here. Set up your kingdom here with us. There's no need for you to go anywhere else. And uh, the Lord Jesus refuses the temptation. They tried to keep hold of him from leaving them. But Jesus refused. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. What is the kingdom of God? It's an extending kingdom. It's a growing kingdom. Jesus refused to stay in one place. We could pick out there in verse 43 the word others, other cities. The story of a man who um, was unable to get to a, a church service somewhere many years ago. It was, it was long before mobile phones and internet and emails. It was in the days of telegrams. And uh, this man sent an apology by telegram saying, uh, unable to attend. And then one word underneath, others. He couldn't make it because of others needed his attention and, and here is the Lord Jesus Christ the son of God what's on his mind what's he thinking about here are the people holding on to him stay here Lord set up your kingdom on earth build yourself a house here you don't have to go anywhere else others Jesus says got to go to others other people need saving other people need the kingdom of God and, uh, and then Jesus says, I must preach. There's a divine necessity. You remember other occasions when the Lord used, used that word must. John 3 that we just mentioned. Um, you must be born again. The son of man must be lifted up. The son of man must suffer many things of the chief priests and the scribes and be crucified and rise again. There was a divine constraint upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knew what he was about. Others. The kingdom of God. You get this in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, don't you? In the, in the, um, in the Gospels, you think of John chapter 4, the woman at the well. The disciples come back, they've got some food. And they're amazed that Jesus is talking with this woman. Others. Or Levi the tax collector. Uh, and, and the Pharisees and publicans criticized Jesus. You know, why is he going to that man's house, Zacchaeus? There was this constraint upon him, wasn't there? Others, the gospel must spread. And the kingdom of God is an extending kingdom, then we can say. And uh, the, the, the chapter ends on, on verse 44 there. He was preaching in the synagogues of, of Galilee. But the concern of the Lord Jesus, his determination to, sh to, uh, to fulfill his heavenly mission. His attitude was so different to the Jews of the day, wasn't it? Or to these people here holding on to him. Don't go anywhere else. I wonder is there a lesson or a warning for us there in that 42nd verse? You know, we, we can be satisfied, can't we, with what we've got ourselves and we, we, we can lack a burden for the lost, maybe. 
There's a story that I read a few um, months ago by, uh, it's a Banner of Truth book called Preachers, Preachers of Power uh, by um, Douglas Kelly. And he, he talks about um, an American preacher by the name of Daniel Baker. He was a traveling missionary preacher. He lived from 1791 to 1857. And uh, Daniel Baker's burden was, you know, to travel around. And he, he didn't stay long, really, in, in churches where he was. But uh, he had an invite to become a minister in an independent Presbyterian church in Savannah. This was 1823. And Daniel Baker says when he arrived there, the congregation was lethargic and resting upon past laurels. And that's how he describes the situation of the church when he arrives. Just satisfied. Maybe a bit like these people here, Lord, we're having a good time here. Stay here with us. Don't go anywhere else. And then uh, Daniel Baker begins to pray and he has a day of fasting himself. And uh, he acknowledges before God, oh, what a dead state I've been in. Not a single individual awakened under my preaching for the past six months. It will not do to live on at this dying rate. And then he prays, Lord, revive me. All my help must come from you. And then what happened was he, he put a box at the front of the church. August the 17th. Uh, and uh, he invited people to put notes in the box, things for prayer. And uh, the members of the church began putting their requests for children to be converted and and, and things like that. And Daniel Baker, the preacher, says, I, I put a note in myself asking that the people would pray for me, that the Lord would give me a more intense and a deeper love for souls. And then there was a, a little bit of reviving in the church and blessing came. I read that and it, it challenged me. And I will, how satisfied we can be. Daniel's, Daniel Baker's concern was others reach out. We've had blessings in the past, but what about now? And here is our savior. He leads the way, doesn't he? He's our great example. I must, he says. I must proclaim the good news of the gospel to the other cities also. For, for this purpose, I've been sent. And uh, so the Lord Jesus continues with his work and the kingdom of God grows. Of course, then we think of the, the New Testament as it develops. We think of Pentecost, the day, the day of Pentecost, and how Jesus says that his disciples will be witnesses in Jerusalem and then Samaria and Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel is to spread. And uh, then we want to apply these things to ourselves. And I, I, I think of where I am and you think of where you are. And we think of our country and then the UK and the world. And what a desperate need there is. And uh, I, I think of Daniel Baker's words, you know, where he says, well, not, not a single individual has been saved for six months under my preaching. And years can go by. And we don't hear of anybody being converted. And we know it's the Lord's sovereignty and we know that it's, it's his work. But shouldn't we follow the example of our Savior as well and, and uh, copy his burden as it were and follow in his footsteps, Lord, others. And uh, the Lord Jesus taught us to pray that prayer, uh, Lord, your kingdom come. 
Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, Jesus speaks about the, uh, the kingdom of God. And it's like a mustard seed, he says. It's the smallest of all the seeds. But it grows and it grows until it becomes the greatest tree of all. And, and the birds fly from afar and they, and they settle in that tree. And then he says the kingdom of God is like leaven, like yeast. And uh, it's unseen, but, but it, it, it grows and, uh, until the whole thing is leavened. That's, that's the kingdom of God, isn't it? So we belong to a, a kingdom which is heavenly. And a kingdom that is powerful. And a kingdom that is extending. And it's good to remember that, isn't it? Although maybe uh, where we are, the work can be slow and discouraging at times. Yet the kingdom of God goes on and grows. And even when wars come and when people are displaced and become refugees, yet we know that God will build his kingdom. It's an extending kingdom. Well, let's draw these few things to a close. Uh, what, what can we say by way of application? Uh, we, we thought from the end of Luke 4 there about the Lord's concern. Uh, and he says, the kingdom of God is the reason I've been sent. And it's, it's a heavenly kingdom. It's a powerful kingdom. It's an extending kingdom. Let me just finish with one verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And uh, Jesus says to his people, what are we to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. And remember in that passage what the Lord is referring to. Uh, you know, uh, clothes and, and money and food and, and health and all these other things. All these other things will be added unto you. But, but, but in order of priority, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek that first. People of the world, they seek after other things. They, they pour their heart and soul into it. Well, we are to do the same for the kingdom of God. Seek first God's kingdom following however feebly in the footsteps of our saviour what a great person he is Look, looking to him we mentioned the verse last week the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him and uh, may we do the same in our lives as we as we work for the lord jesus christ let's encourage ourselves and remember that we belong to a kingdom that will never fail and it's being built by the lord jesus christ